Welcome to Basic Snitches. Hello. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. Today we are discussing a chapter, which one is this? 23? 23. 23 of Fantastic Beasts. Potter and the Deathly Hollows. I need to prepare my book in advance. Like, yes, I'm in my library today because we're on Zoom. I know, so many books. But I'm I'm like, ooh. So so you're like, what are books? (laughs) Yeah, we're on Zoom today, friends, because there was a snowmageddon here. Exactly. Today was the first time that I was actually able to, I mean, I'd use my snowblower in like lighter snows where I'm like, eh, I still have to vac. I still have to vacuum the driveway. Yep. Still have to vacuum the driveway. <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and use my snowblower. I'm glad I that you vacuum your driveway. <laughs> I know. That's how I get my neighbors to not talk to me. I don't <laughs> that I'm, I'm not quite at the end of the street, but I'm almost there. So, yeah. So, I was like, I need to vacuum the driveway. Today, I really needed to vacuum the driveway. And, wow. I mean, it technically, it kind of is. It spits it back out, but it vacuums the driveway. So, I was able to use that. And I am like, yes, that was a good investment. Because now I have even more sore knees and backs. Hooray. Hooray for aging. Actually, what's the name of the chapter? Because I think I... Malfoy Manor. Malfoy Manor. At the end of the second movie, practically already. And Tara decided to dress as a druid today. I did. (laughs) I have this robe that my brother got me for Christmas that's like a wizard's robe. And it has the Hogwarts crest on it. And it has a hood, a wizard hood, and the long sleeves. And it's very cool. I'm showing Adam again like it looks very very luxurious clearly like a wizard robe and harry potter branded but it looks like really nice quality she looks cozy i'm very cozy which i need to be (laughs) as you can tell by your yawning yep It's that time of the show where we recognize all of our patrons and you too can become a patron at patreon.com slash basic snitches for as low as $5 a month or even at our quend here at $10 a month. This week we discuss some similarities between Harry Potter, especially the first two movies, with another film that is a little bit more seasonal, so I know it's a little bit weird of a topic as we're approaching the springtime, but still a really, really interesting conversation. And of course, thanks as always to Ashley, Brittany, Jen, Marybeth, Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. Do you have a guess on winner or loser of chapter 22? It's been a minute. So this was a recap-ish chapter, sort of, I think. Oh, yeah, they were listening in on Potter Watch. Because after Potter Watch, that's when Harry said Cocaine Baby's name. And uh, what happened before Potter Watch? It's them coming back from oh, the from, Good House. And from Twitter um, headquarters. Harry obsessing over the Hollows. Yeah. Hollows. yeah. Well, let's say Harry loses because he says Voldemort's name. Because, <laughs> so, I mean, like, the scabbier or whatever his name is he isn't necessarily in the last chapter let's say that the winner is lee jordan so the winner is lee jordan oh yes yes <laughs> i was like i'm so excited to give him the win i love lee jordan so yes much. and it's so deserved and like in this book That's where we true. see a lot of the trio and stuff it's kind of cool for there to be someone else to get a win there we spend so much time not with other people so i think there's a really good argument for harry to take the, the l but i actually gave it to xenophilia slavkin again <laughs> hey fine the, he could stand i know that he technically lost because of the last chapter but i'm just so frustrated with him even though i understand it's gotta be hard you know yeah. having yeah. your child taken away but yeah, I wasn't quite ready to give Harry a loss for that either because I really did think about it. He still yeah, had like, some good revelations. I and mean, stuff he's because he's so smart in the chapter. Like he figures out so much shit, even though the other two won't listen to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really yeah. So I had a really hard time giving him the loss. So might have been a little unfair for me to give it to Xenophilius, but whatever. It's my game. I wrote a thing for chapter 23. You want to read a it? A thing for me to read. It's long and I did not proofread it, so I hope it makes sense. <laughs> FYI, mine are often long and unproofread as well. 
number one. Number two, there's no way. I was literally thinking, I'm like, is she going to do a thing like everything goes to shit? Because <laughs> you no. have, there's too much that happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I almost did like a three, three or four sentence summary. It was just like, they get caught, there are Malfoys, Dobby wins. And then I was like, I know you have to do something more in that, Tara. Yeah. Whoa. I yeah. told you. <laughs> Sorry. It's pretty long. Wow. All right. So buckle in for some lovely <laughs> listening. Chapter 23, Malfoy Manor. Hermione hits Harry with some kind of stinging spell, and when the Snatchers grab them all, they are not able to immediately recognize him. Unfortunately, they were not caught by dumb Snatchers like in Ron's previous encounter. And in fact, they have the privilege of meeting Greyback, that piece of shit <laughs> werewolf slash Death Eater wannabe. So once and his cronies figure out that they have Harry and his friends, they decide to take them, along with the two other prisoners they caught that evening, Dean Thomas and Grip Hook the Goblin, to Malfoy Manor instead of the Ministry. In the meantime, because things can always get fucking worse, Harry is treated to visions of Voldemort chatting evil guy shit with the last big baddie before he came into power, Grindelwald. While Harry and company are transported to Malfoy Manor, he fights to stay in the present while witnessing Voldy's interrogation of Dumble's former lover at the same time. In the Malfoy home, Draco is asked to identify Harry and the others. He does eventually agree that those are his classmates, but is hesitant to admit to recognizing. Soon, Bellatrix shows up, and once she notices the Snatchers have the sword of Gryffindor, you said Snatches, as like she pulled the sword out of a snatch? <laughs> She panics and has Harry and the others, except Hermione, taken to the cellar. While Hermione is tortured, the others learn that Luna and Mr. Ollivander are in the cellar. With help from the Deluminator and Luna being fucking amazing, everyone is untied. They struggle desperately with this way to get out to help Hermione, and Harry calls for help through the shard of the magic mirror after thinking he's seen Dumbledore's eye looking back at. From above, Bellatrix demands to know where they got the sword, and Hermione tells them it's a fake. Bella sends Draco to the cellar to get Grip Hook to confirm that statement, and Harry begs him to lie about the sword's authenticity. In the cellar, there is a crack. <laughs> Period. There's a crack in the cellar. And they're all gathering around and they're smoking. In the cellar, there's a crack and Dobby is there to rescue them. Harry has him take Luna, Dean, and Mr. Ollivander to Shell Cottage and ask him to come back when he's done. The sound of Dobby and company apparating out of the cellar causes the Malfoys to send Wormtail to check on what is going on. Harry and Ron attempt to tackle him, but he begins choking Harry before he is called out by the son of his late friends for trying to kill him. And after he saved his life four years ago, suddenly his silver hand lets go of Harry and turns on its owner and kills him instead. Harry's visions of Voldy and Grindy take over again as Voldemort Advada Kedavra's the old villain dead, and he hears the Dark Lord's thoughts of frustration of being called back by Bellatrix. Ron and Harry burst into the room to save Hermione, and it starts off pretty strong since Ron has Skinny Dick's wand and Harry manages to wrestle away Draco's wand, but they are brought up short when Bella pulls Hermione to her and holds her knife to her throat. The boys surrender their wands, but before all is lost, Dobby returns and does the very best to drop a chandelier on Bellatrix. While she disappointingly manages to avoid being sliced into a billion pieces, by Shattered Crystal, it doesn't have them all enough time to apparate out of there. Wow, they have Crack and Crystal at this house? Oh, <laughs> Ron takes Hermione and Dobby takes Harry and Griphook. It feels like everyone made it out okay and we're going to be good, but as Harry left with Dobby, Bella had thrown the knife at them, and when they landed safely miles from Malfoy Manor, it is revealed that the knife had also come with them lodged in Dobby's chest. Harry comforts the little hero as he dies in his arms and is devastated along with the rest of the world.
I can't believe all of this happens in one fucking chapter. I know. I know. I was like, also, literally, he dies at the end of this fucking chapter. What? Yes. I was like, uh, Dobby ain't well, dying for a minute. Like, we got him. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was the beginning of the next chapter, fuckers. So we oh. were really prepared for this. Now, luckily, and you'll hear about this more at the end of the episode, next week we are recording with two guests who could not record tonight. But it's kind of good because this is a massive, massive chapter. Probably the biggest one, I think, thus far. I think it is. Buckle in, friends. First thing I wrote down is the quick thinking of Hermione immediately helping out to delay things a little bit, put a little bit of mystery from the perspective of the Death Eaters. It's, and it, it's so great how she does that. Oh, yeah, I mean, it makes me think uh, there's multiple things. I mean, there's what he, she did at Twitter headquarters. There's another thing where she like disguises someone really quick or she does a spell really fast. Just it, I think it happens in this book. She's the MVP. I mean, she's yes. always been the MVP, honestly. It's ironic because she's the one who can't really be the MVP for the rest of the chapter, too. Uh, so she has this moment, and then it's just, it's awful. Like, I know that Harry is public enemy number one, but Hermione gets the oh, worst out of this. They target her immediately because they're disgusting men. It's uncomfortable. Obviously, like, the second you realize that it's Fenrir and all of his fuckers. Uh, all of his fuckers. It's like <laughs> the sequel to All My Children. <laughs> Fenrir has a soap opera now. I wouldn't watch it. I fuck no. <laughs> fuck that guy. You heard about Snatchers from Ron, and you're like, oh, they're dumb. And then, of course, they did not get lucky like that. And I think that the three of them do every single thing that they can at the beginning. You know, like, lying about who they are and... Ron, come on. <laughs> You've already used that one before. And then you're like, oh my God, Harry's going to get away with it. He always gets away with stuff because he says Vernon Dudley, which is so fucking great. Yeah. But of course, we know that's not how that goes. So. Yeah. It's interesting because I was kind of like, why did they kind of go to that point? I mean, maybe this is something that they've thought of the whole time. Because Penelope Clearwater also, that comes out of nowhere. I was surprised yeah. in the movie that she even says that. By the way, Penelope Clearwater is actually Muggleborn. So the fact <laughs> that she went with that name, I was like, she's Muggleborn. Hermione. Exactly. I mean, obviously under duress, but like, I was like, oh, that's a choice, you know. Although I guess keeping with the movies in movie two, she was not, well, does she say Half-Blood in the book too? No. Okay, it is just the movie. Yeah, Penelope wasn't petrified in the second movie. So I don't know if maybe they, like, spun the narrative there or something. Um, I mean, maybe she was. Maybe she was actually Half-Blood. I don't actually know. I just assumed she was Muggleborn because of her just being part of that whole... Yeah, no, she uh, was. I, th I thought it was mentioned in book two. We'll come back to that someday. But yeah, yeah. either way, no one is thinking about... Also, Penelope Clearwater would have been out of Hogwarts, so she wouldn't be on the list anyway. I mean, I guess she would be because... They are running because she is Muggleborn. Yeah. Either way, it obviously doesn't get them as far as they would like, but it does hold off the torment for a minute. There is this thing here where, so which one of you said Voldemort? Keeping with what our Patreon exclusive is, this is another kind of like similarity. And if you're on Patreon, then you know, or you will know if you haven't heard it yet. It's very much like the villains of revealing their whole big. Thing, you know like, yeah. up front. like oh did you like a little trick yeah we made the name a taboo because all the order members like to use it isn't that great huh and then it's like shut up marv you know uh, yes exactly it's very that i love our secrets you dumbasses they caught them it looks very very dark in this chapter so maybe yeah. at this point it's like well you're not gonna get out of this that's obviously what they're thinking i also didn't even think about this but them searching the tent and they find the sword and they find harry's glasses mm -hmm. and they find something else about hermione a picture of hermione or something hermione did her best but like what are they going to do at this point and of course finding the sword is like a major part of this chapter and really what propels them into the next part of the story after this and like what direction to go in so it's interesting because this chapter 
is just like obviously we've said it's huge and it's like scary and it's awful and everything but the fact that so many things kind of get solved here too is just incredible they're getting whisked away and harry's like seeing stuff that's happening with voldy they find out that they're with griff hook and dean that's true so that they got reunited with them i mean speaking of things that kind of get like answered you know after dirk and ted senior are announced dead like okay well at least we know that these two are fine oh yeah. and also there's like the little bit about how they're like we can summon voldemort and grayback can't and harry knows why he can't yes that's the one because he's a poser <laughs> I feel like this is one of the only times we ever talk about the inner circle having the dark mark because I always thought that Scabier was a Death Eater. Like, I feel like he was one of the Death Eaters that Karkaroff called out in the fourth book, but I could be wrong. Oh, maybe. Scabier is like, will you call him here? He must not have the dark mark. Fenrir is obviously on the outskirts there. Do they just let him kind of hang out with them because of his like penchant for spilling blood? Because he's violent as fuck. Yeah, I guess maybe that's true. There's like true Death Eaters and then there's these like posers, these wannabes who are like, we'll we'll go catch people for you and we'll suck your dick sometimes. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, who'd want a dick sucking from Fenrir? No one wants Fenrir near them. And so then they go to Malfoy Manor and this fucking guy, one of the snatchers, just like shakes the gates. Really? What I wrote down is they go up to this gate and it's locked and they're like, how do we get in? And I literally, I was like, Mora, dummy. <laughs> Maybe this was a Patreon thing or something, but we talked about the biggest plot holes or something from like a video that I saw and like Mora and locks now. In this case, obviously, there's probably some extra enchantments and stuff. And then Becky with the good hair gets on the ring doorbell and is like, what you want? And they're like, DoorDash is here. I didn't order anything. Oh, really? I guess we'll just take Harry Potter back to the restaurant. (laughs) Harry's like, please take me back to the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And so they go in. Another mention of the white peacocks, which I think I gave points to in the past. They're not getting points this time because this is <laughs> too fucking complicated. Too complicated. We don't have time for you peacocks. <laughs> <laughs> they bring him in and they're like, let's get Draco to confirm if this is Harry. I must say, <laughs> there's a lot that I was surprised about in this chapter. I forgot the whole thing of like the sword leading to Bellatrix freaking out. I forgot about... This little thing with Draco. I forgot about Skinny Dick. I have a lot of questions about Skinny Dick. (laughs) Which is a really great sentence. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of the things that I just do not remember is how Draco is just like a husk of the last time we saw him. And how he's almost like, uh, I don't know, maybe. I don't know, maybe. I mean, we definitely saw it in the sixth book about how he has no problem disarming Dumbledore, but then actually killing him because obviously Dumbledore calls him out for not being a killer. And here he is now. He has been in this house surrounded by people who were like evil as fuck. And he's probably still like, oh, this doesn't feel right. But he's stuck in that world and he's not strong enough to go, fuck y'all. Obviously, because I... later in the chapter, he is like clutching his wands and here right. he goes, well, yoink. This is very similar to what, and we'll get more of this when when Percy comes back. It's very similar to, obviously, Percy was never Death Eater level, but like... (laughs) Nope, he ate something else, though. (laughs) (laughs) Because later on, you you find out that Percy kind of was stuck and he couldn't come back. Yeah. You know, and Malfoy, that's him. Like, what is he going to do? He can't just be like, yeah, you guys are fucking terrible. Bye. Truly. They're gonna kill this poor kid. Now, do we love Draco? Do we think he's a piece of shit? Yes, we do. But even if he were to be like complete change of heart, he's gotta have a fucking plan to get out of there. Who's gonna help him? That's exactly it. You know, who knows who else has come into this headquarters almost and been killed here? It's probably a little bit daunting. I mean, Narcissa does say, Oh, Draco's home for Easter break, <laughs> which implies oh. that. Witches and wizards praise Jesus, I guess. I mean, Apparently. we probably talked about that before because yeah. there was an Easter egg thing at some point. That's totally it. The trauma that he has gone through and 
I mean, it's very specific. I mean, it goes all the way back to the end of book five, you know, in like how he has had this expectation put upon him. It's interesting to see this in the light of Harry and Draco's rivalry up to this point. I think that's the biggest thing yeah. to me. So yeah, he's kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, mm. And then one of the snatches, they come over and they like, look, I have a sword. Isn't it cool? Right. And then Fenrir is like, put that back in your pants. And put then the there's another snatch who comes out and is like, guys, look what I found in the text. <laughs> That's not that big. It's it's really bad. (laughs) I wanted to say one more thing about Draco. Okay, sorry. Um, This is a really interesting perspective about bullies because obviously, like, Draco is a bully and he's a piece of shit, and we're not going, oh, poor Draco, he's been traumatized. I think that this is probably a very relatable thing. Kids who are brought up who are this way. I feel like there's probably a lot of that when it comes to kids who are mean. And then they actually gets down to a spot where they are forced with a decision that is a lot bigger than whether or not I'm going to punch some kid on the playground. You know, if this person is identified, they're going to kill them. It's even in the sixth book when Dumbledore says to him right before the Death Eaters run upstairs into the tower, he says, I can't believe that you would let Frenner come to this castle where your friends are. And Draco is terrified. He's like, I didn't know he was coming. You know, it's like you pressed the red button and you didn't actually realize how bad it could be. Yeah. Be careful what you you wish for. That's where Draco has been living for the last book, at least. And now he really doesn't have anywhere to go. So yeah, he's a piece of shit bully and we see him be a piece of shit bully. Even later in this book, he is also trapped. Because I don't know necessarily if in a game of connections or something like that, or word collaboration, I'm getting all the games confused today. But like, if you were to say bully and Harry Potter, my brain first goes to Dudley. And I think it's because of that like playground experience, that being very related to bullyism through the ages. When you look at like the trajectory and the similarities or differences between those two, and yes, Vernon is a piece of shit, and so is fucking Elwoods. <laughs> yes, they're both awful fathers, but look how different they are in so many ways. I mean, even in appearance, and it, it's just crazy to think that. And then comparing that to their sons and how they end up, and how the parents also kind. Of, it's just, it's a complex thing to look at that's kind of interesting. Since, it, I mean, that was earlier in this book too. So so then that whole sword dick thing happens. And then Bellatrix becomes like enraged. And at first, once again, this was one of those things where I was like, whoa, what is happening here? Even when we were watching the movie, and yes, we will have opinions about the movie. I think there are most <laughs> opinions, but still, we will have opinions. So many opinions about the movie. Even leading up to that point, I was like, wow, movie Bellatrix, and again, for like probably a broader audience, is so much more like hee hee ha ha, whimsical, wacky. Whereas she does this in the movie too, but in the book, she whoops these guys' asses and is like, who the fuck took this sword out of my vault? And it is like, she commands the stage. Of course she does. And I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? Now, of course... What it is, is it's very interesting because she's like revealing so much here, but she's wondering if they took the cup and that means that she knows what the cup is, that she knows that the cup is a horcrux. Did she say that in the movie? No, oh, I'm making said... inferences here that like, oh, okay. what else did you like, take from my vault? Yeah, she just says, what else did you take? Obviously, she thinks that they're all going to die, so she doesn't really matter, but um, she's giving them all kinds of fucking clues. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Going for your vault now, bitch. I don't know. And like, obviously, we'll talk about this in the following chapters. But I don't know if after that experience, because this is a harrowing experience, that I would think, what was Bellatrix so upset about? What else could be in her vault? Let's break into it. I don't know if I would have thought that. But I probably have incomplete memories slash information of what happens next. I think it has to do with like her fear of Voldemort because remember she doesn't call oh. him yet. She doesn't call him until later on after she's been told that that's a fake sword. 
Yes. So actually, when they come in, Lucius is, I'm sorry, Elwoods is like immediately like, okay, let's call him. He's here. Let's get him. Let's get the monies. And then they have this little fight about like, who gets the monies? Who gets the monies? And they're having this whole conversation out in like the open while yeah. the trio is just standing there like, um, and that other like fucking snatcher still sitting there like playing with his dick. While they're doing this, I need to point out that it's the woman who comes in, not Bellatrix, <laughs> Narcissa, but the woman is the one who comes in and is the voice of reason in saying like, hold the fuck oh. up. We don't know if this is Harry Potter. His face is really bad. It's so fucked up. If this is not him and we call him, we about to die. So she's the first one who says it. There is a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, some of Bellatrix kind of being her like unabashed self of like, yay, we got Harry Potter. And Narcissa's like, we don't know if it's him yet, bitch. And then when this happens, that's when she kind of like collects herself and kind of jumps on that train i think well, she's not there until after draco has been like yeah i guess whatever and then she comes in and she's like what the fuck's going on she of course reiterates that that's absolutely hermione oh, and then yeah. they yes. fight more over whether or not bellatrix or luscious boy toy get to call foldie then she's like well you aren't allowed to do that because you don't have a wand no more and then again i am reminded you have a fucking wand maker in the basement when you kidnapped him, why did you not steal all the fucking wands in his shop? <laughs> I will See, I never let that. this go. I will never let this go. Like, you're so steal right. all the fucking wands. It's the obvious thing. What I was thinking is like, it goes back to the joke I made of like the trio is standing there, the snatchers are there, and they're like, I want the money. No, I want the money. Okay, I'm going to call the Dark Lord. I'm, no, I'm I want to do it. You don't have wands. Yeah. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me are you, are you like the Muppet babies and then Bellatrix is like yeah I'm done fighting and then like sending spells at everyone because she's a bitch and that's when she recognizes the, the sword is there and then she like turns a 180 and is like no we'll all die if he goes yeah. now it's kind of interesting to see this like yeah she's terrifying in other moments of the series but this type of seriousness from her. They keep on saying to like, this is my house. How dare you tell me what to do in right. my house? Like, it's just insane. So she's like, I'm interrogating the racist word first. And then <laughs> sends the boys to the basement. And this is where I have to make a grave apology. Because Grip Hook and Ollivander were not fucking in the basement. Because this is where it was love at first sight. <laughs> the movie led me astray once again because in the movie yes they were fucking in the basement because <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> so i was wrong this whole time they fuck at shell cottage okay sorry i just need to clear that up right now sure. anyway so they go into the basement and they see olivander it's something that i also have to ask about this dean's still here right what happened to yeah. Dean? they take harry ron dean and grip hook to the basement all together yes Harry is, like, trying to push Voldy thoughts out of his brain, and Hermione is being tortured, and Ron is screaming for Hermione, which is also a certain type of torture for Ron and Harry. Oh, my God. And all of them to hear Hermione, and they literally can't do a thing. We have talked so much about, like, this is such a terrifying part of the series. Aragog, Basilisk, Stout Mathilda, <laughs> the list goes on. But this is, like, really, really bad. A child this being tortured be... is horrifying. Hearing it and not being able to do anything, and then Ron screaming her name. He's so helpless. Yes, exactly. And, like, I just think so of, like, upset. a couple chapters ago, Ron came back, and there was that tension there, and now look where we are. It's just wild. So, yeah, they find out Luna and Ollivander are down there. They set up a nice little tavern in the basement, and it's called the Rusty Nail. Rusty it's the only nail. thing they have. <laughs> so, hey, can I have a beer? Nope, we only have a Rusty Nail. Instead of going into Harry's bag, which I suppose he probably couldn't open up because his hands were tied. but Because I was like, why don't they just cut the rope with that mirror shard? Right. Semantics. So, they use the Rusty Nail. They get out of their bindings. This listening up above, they hear Bellatrix ask for the goblin. She's asking Hermione where they got it. And Hermione is like, we found it. We found it. We haven't been anywhere near your vault. And then she says that it's a copy. 
And so Harry goes to Griphook and says, you have to say that it's a fake. So then she's like, go get the goblin. He'll tell us what's up. Harry asks Griphook, lie for me. <laughs> like the Phantom of the fucking Opera. I mean, we do have a <laughs> chandelier falling in this chapter. So. There, yeah, there is. <laughs> I love it. Canon. The Phantom of the Opera and Harry Potter in the same universe. Chandeliers <laughs> dropping everywhere. Yeah, just because of that. And they send Draco down to <laughs> get in. Which is very interesting because, again, we'll get to the movie, but because skinny dick cracks me up in the movie. But it's interesting that they have Draco come and get the goblin, get Grippo, mm-hmm. he has a name. And then later they're like, skinny dick, go see what that's all about or something. Yeah, so he goes down, he gets the goblin and is clearly terrified and leaves. And then Ron turns the lights back on and Dobby is there. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Ron has his Deluminator. I forgot about that. That's another handy little thing. I love that they just come out as, like, little sons in the room. Yeah, because they don't have their lamps that they were on before. So I will say, and sometimes when I look at some of this, I'm like, yes, it's storytelling. But there is, are some things here that just seem so coincidentally perfect. The two well, missing people that are very important to the story that we know have gone missing are in this basement together and they're reunited. He happens to have that shard in the bag that only he can open and stuff like that. Right. But I mean, I'm just looking at this through like lens of cynical, you know? It's perfect. I mean, they are so lucky that boom, Aberforth sees him and is like, Dobby, get your ass down there. Bob. I almost called him Bobby. Well, that's his first name. Bobby. Bobby his Dobby. His name is Bobby Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well, uh, that we found this out in his very last chapter. But, his very last um, chapter. I love that Dean and Luna want to stay and help. Of course they do. Of I mean, course they do. They're such good people. And then, of course, Harry's like, no, you guys have to go. We'll be there. Oh, no. Yeah, you talked about they actually started to call Draco. Oh, they did. Um, okay. Yeah, so, so it says... The, there was a loud crack. Dobby, Luna, Dean, and Ollivander vanished. What was that? Shouted Luscious Boy Toy from over their heads. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. What was that noise in the cellar? Draco, no. Call Wormtail. Make him go and check. So originally he was going to make Draco do it. It's interesting that they switch in this moment to Skinny Dick because obviously Skinny Dick goes down and unfortunately Skinny Dick. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a clever dick joke <laughs> to announce his death. But this feels very convoluted to me. I'm not going to lie. Oh, how oh, dare you try death? to kill me when I saved you? And then, like, the hand, like, flinches because it's like, oh, you're right, girl. And then the hand turns on him and kills him in that moment. They chose this moment for skinny dick, but we don't get this with Umbridge. You know what I mean? So it feels I think, out of place. Well... Umbridge, while she is a fucking terrible villain, she's not directly involved in this right now. You know, she's no, okay, gonna... you're right. And I bring that up because his death feels out of place to me. Oh, I'm going to tell you this that now that I'm thinking about it. I feel like if he doesn't die here, we're not going to get to see that he dies and he needs to die because he's a marauder and all the marauders are dead by the end of this book. Got it, yeah. Because if he were to live to go to the fucking Battle of Hogwarts, he's not going to last long enough for anyone to see his death mean anything. I think the other thing that is maybe shown here is there's all these like unnamed wizard codes or like morality codes and stuff. And I think that what we're going with here is that if you owe someone your life, he owes his life to Harry because Harry told Sirius and Lupin not to kill him in the third book. I think that that was like, a sort of debt laying over him that he literally can't. That's so, something that he's just not allowed to do or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that magic hand, because it's magical and it's not part of his actual being, I think that maybe Harry, by saying that, I saved your life and this is what you're doing. I don't know. Maybe that's what the story we're trying to tell, that the magic is going to work against Wormtail. Yeah. I, You're correct. It is so convoluted. Um, (laughs) And this was me trying to make it make more sense. I don't know that I did, but like, I think that that's that's what we're going for. But I mean, because later on in the book, Harry saves Draco's life. Mm, Yeah. Here's how I kind of like translate that. Like you said, these moral codes woven into wizard rules and shit, which I do think we sort of see here and there. 
obviously there's so much with Voldemort and why Harry was spared that is woven into that code. So basically that moral code had the one up on what I assume is an enchantment in that hand that would make Skinny Dick always loyal to Cocaine Baby. Oh, if you turn on me, then the hand's going to kill you. That's what that feels like. I mean, that really makes sense, too, though, because he hesitates. And I think that that's, what does it say? I'm going to actually read this. Pettigrew was reaping his reward for his hesitation, his moment of pity. He was being strangled before their eyes. When Harry calls him out on his bullshit, he does actually have a moment of hesitation and realization of what he was doing. I think that that's actually a really good explanation as to why that hand would turn on him and the weakness of that from Skinny Dick. Anyways, Skinny Dick's dead. Bye. Rip, rip, rip that Skinny Dick right off. Well, and then... Bury it in the woods next to... A I want to say... <laughs> next to what? An eyeball. Harry <laughs> <laughs> buried an eyeball? That was cool. Yeah. I wanted to say, though, again, this we are reminded again that Harry and Ron are good-hearted, youthful people still. Because they, like, try to save Wormtail from himself. Yes, that is true, too. And it's like, ugh, kids... Alas, they're Alas. like, he dies, and they're like, oh, well, let's go save Hermione. They're like, well, we tried. Let's go save Hermione. And then they witness Grip Hook lying. Yes. Thank God. She's like, okay, let's call my boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. And so then this is where they use Skinny Dick's wand to expelliarmus her, stupefy or whatever. They get knock on all the bad people. It's like a pretty good match. Well, oh. Literally also, like, right before this, as they're about to, like, burst into the room, Voldy's like, die, Grindelwald. And then Harry's like, yeah, I gotta do shit. So he goes back into this with Ron. Ron is the one that disarms fucking Bellatrix. Yeah, he's like, don't call your boyfriend. I'm gonna save my girlfriend. And then Harry uses Bellatrix's wand to stupefy Lucius. And so then... They're all fighting. But it's very interesting that Ron is the one that disarms Bellatrix, which is really cool. He's clearly Um, like, I got to fucking handle this shit. And he has a wand. so. And his mom's going to finish it off later anyway. So ultimately, once again, this is another very, very chaotic. It's so chaotic. Fast-paced scene. You have to read it fast. And eventually, it looks like they're triumphing, and Bellatrix has Hermione in a chokehold with the knife up against her throat. And the boys surrender, Draco picks up everyone's wand, and Harry can feel Voldemort getting closer. It says, he could feel Voldemort flying through the sky from far away over a dark and stormy sea, and soon he would be close enough to apparate to them, and Harry could see no way out. So I guess you can't apparate over water or out of acid. Well, you... You have to be a certain closeness. Oh, so you like, do. yeah. So like, when in the second, you didn't learn that from Wilkie like, Flycross. Yeah, like Grindelwald couldn't just like fucking apparate from America to England. He had to travel across the ocean. Well, now it's not as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to do it, but oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Because I feel like I can apparate to work from here. So that's pretty substantial. Oh, yeah. And then Bellatrix is like, sure, Greyback, you can have the girl. Yes. Oh, my God. is like, fuck yeah. The way that they talk about Hermione, it's the worst upon the worst, you know? Also, they keep referring to her by that name. And they've already referred to Dean by that name. But then they're like, we forget that we have another minority that we could torture. Because they went for the girl. And second. Yeah, because... Yeah, because they went for the female because yeah, of course they did. Luckily, in this moment, and Dobby comes to the rescue again. Oh, Bobby Dobby comes, and he has a mask over one eye. <laughs> <laughs> and the chandelier swings down and burns down the Malfoy's house, and everyone dies. The end. <laughs> I laugh at this, even though I know that this is a really like crazy scene. I'm like, fucking go, Dobby. He's Here's the like, thing. Let's go. While there are like really gross things in this chapter, like the way they treat Hermione, just in ge- uh, there's just a lot of great gross things in this chapter. Having Dobby come in brings so much levity to uh, this chapter. So much light. It's that so I think great. is really needed. This is like the darkest of the dark out of everything that they've seen so far. I mean, yes. Oh yeah. 
Godric's no. Hollow was pretty bad. But this, this is, is really dark. I'm sorry, but resorting to tormenting child, it just absolutely leaps to the right. top of the list of despicable. Also, though, this is where squeezed in a paragraph in the middle of a very crazy chapter, as Ron ran to pull Hermione out of the wreckage, Harry took his chance. He leapt over an armchair and wrestled the three wands from Draco's grip, pointing all of them at Greyback and yelling stupefy. That too. Thank you for mentioning that. Literally, that is like the most important fucking two lines in the goddamn story. He gets the wand from Draco. Yeah, he took Draco's wand. So this essentially is the moment where Harry becomes the master of the Elder Wand. The because funny thing at this point, Draco was the master of the Elder Wand. Right, right. Even though so, he never touched it. It's so funny that this happens too, because the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, it's the first thing that comes to my mind is... Draco, you are pathetic. Not only have we seen you, like, let's go back a little bit to the bully conversation that we had. You're a bully. You've gone through all this trauma and stuff. I just think of how confident he came off. Well, it was more cocky than confident. Let's be honest. Yeah. There's a difference. In the very first moments that we meet him, well, at Hogwarts, because we do see him at Madame Melkin's. Now look at where we are at the end of the series and... There's no magic happening here. You have a bunch of wands in your hand and Harry just comes out and plucks them right out of your hand. Yeah. That's probably even more of a 180 than the whole, mm, I don't know if this is Harry Potter, etc. Yeah, it's very interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. Not yeah. only from the way that I interpreted it at first, but that is very, very key. I really love that you brought that up about Draco though too, because it just shows that he's also just been so coddled by his parents that he doesn't actually have an instinctual fight back response yeah yeah like, exactly like every time we see him do something physically like when he and harry duel or whatever they're dueling they have their wands and stuff it's like he's not scrappy like harry is <laughs> yeah like harry will punch you in the fucking face yeah but now has what, to kind of like prep to do that i mean so it's interesting because the other thing i think of when you say that is in book three when Hermione punches him in the face. It's very interesting to look back on some of these moments. The chandelier falls. It becomes absolute chaos. I think ultimately, you said it in your thing, and I'm glad that you did, because it's kind of like Harry grabs Dobby and the goblin. The goblin has the sword, so he's got them. And then Hermione and Ron, which is yeah. how it should be, let's be honest. Ron saving Hermione. And they get out of there and Bellatrix throws the knife. The last thing he saw as he was leaving, blah, 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 the red of Ron's hair and a blur of flying silver as Bellatrix's knife flew across the room at the place where he was vanishing. And then you have those moments where he's like being pulled through the unknown and he's repeating the name of the destination. You know, he can feel the pain in his head still from probably Voldy getting closer. And then he's got the goblin on one hand and he's got Dobby's hand in the other hand. And it's like for a second, you're like, oh, we made it. There are a couple of things. At first, I'm like, why? Why did this have to happen? Why couldn't they have just gotten away? Why did we have to throw the knife and have it kill Dobby in this moment? They could have gotten there. It could have been a nice celebratory moment. After the worst scene in the book, because we always have that kind of debrief in here, it's that Dobby dies. So what is the purpose? Like, why is this here? I have to abandon that because we're at the end of the series at this point. I mean, you could almost say, let's look at the beginning of the book where we lose Moody, we lose Hedwig. And we don't really lose Hedwig because remember, she's staying with the Delacruz, right? That's what we decided. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she got the croissant. That's why. Like, you can at least see there's something built into here of why this was built into here into the book. At this point, it's like, people are just gonna die. This is literally just, there's like a phrase for it. I don't know. It feels like trying to like make the point that people are just gonna die at this point. That's exactly it. There's a phrase for this sort of thing of like, you're just doing it to like, make people sad. There yeah. is no reason why Dobby had to die here. Can you imagine now? Yes, Creature gets his moment. But can you imagine if Dobby was there, the Battle of Hogwarts? It's just meaningless. I mean, we talked about that a little bit, even with Cedric. It's meaningless. But in that case, it does move the plot along. And it's symbolic in a way. 
you could say this is symbolic because of what exactly we're talking about. It's just that people are dying now. That's just how it is. Buckle in, everyone. I mean, I also feel like just in general, yes, people are dying, but like the people who are dying are pretty like significant for Harry. Losing Moody, although he never really got to know, Moody was like this powerful force. It was like Dumbledore Jr. in like the way that you're like, well, he's going to have all the answers. When you're like, Moody is the unofficial new leader of the Order of the Phoenix, you feel like he has all the answers because he's smart and he's badass or whatever. And then we lose him, you know, and then we lose Dobby, who is willing to stop at nothing to save Harry, you know, back talks his old masters and is like, fuck y'all. I'm Bobby Dobby. I'm Bobby Dobby. <laughs> but like, and he does a little, you know, <laughs> and a little, what is that? The little kick in the air. I don't know what that's called. A oh, little, oh my God. What is that called? Yeah. The like skip kick. It's, it's a bellhop. I think. It's oh, called. I think you're right. This is someone who has literally just kind of devoted himself to Harry in a way that Harry never asked for. Obviously, the second book, Dobby was not so good at helping Harry. <laughs> he was uh, annoying as fuck. Kind of annoying the fuck out of him. But he helps him in the fourth and the fifth book. You know, he's very, very important to Harry's story. So, and he's also innocent and sweet and good. And having someone like that die does have an impact. You said that he's faithful to Harry blindly without any reason. His first and his last words in the series are Harry Potter. I think that was maybe a part of a Patreon sporkle quiz thing of like, what were Harry's last words? And they turned out to be Harry Potter and you were like, of course they are. Because why wouldn't they be? Yeah, it is kind of funny to think of like when we're reflecting on like Draco's trajectory, like we did, reflecting on Dobby's trajectory of at first he's fucking annoying, but thank God he was because what the fuck would have happened? I mean, I think we all know what would have happened if Bobby Dobby wasn't there. So pour one out for Bobby Dobby. Are you ready to play a game? Oh, sure. Let's see what happens. So I know that this was a traumatic chapter, but it's about to get romantic. Ooh. We're going to play Oh Shit. (laughs) So I have five people from this chapter, and your goal is to matchmaker them with someone. And the rule is that the person that you match them with cannot be in this chapter. Oh, okay. Keep that in mind. We're going to start with bachelor number one. (laughs) I know that probably sounded like... (laughs) (laughs) Same from now on. (laughs) You hate that guy. Who are you matching with him? Yes. Make sure they don't have supple skin. And hopefully they also don't have a vagina because that guy is way too creepy around the ladies. Well... Mm, no, I am. I'm gonna give him a lady. I'm gonna give him Dolores Umbridge. Oh boy, he's gonna take a lot of bites out of that peach. You know what? Who I thought you were gonna say? I thought you were gonna say Moaning Myrtle. Oh, like, Moaning Myrtle would probably like that. Give him the one woman that he can't really do anything with and will annoy the shit out of him. <laughs> uh, but I also yeah. like the idea of pairing him with the baby mandrakes. Next oh, is. The one with the skinniest dick who is going to be canoodling up to that. Mrs. Norris. <laughs> so you kind of read my mind, although I was thinking like, well, McGonagall turns into a cat, but do I really want to subjugate? No, don't want to do that to McGonagall. You chose the right answer. Mrs. Norris is going to have a snack. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about Mrs. Norris having a snacky. From one really sexy person to another, time for you to match Bellatrix with someone. Oh, well. And I have a feeling who's probably in one of these before, because I can almost imagine you saying, like, well, she's not going to be with Voldemort. That would be her dream. Yeah, I know. You should just match her with her husband. <laughs> I match her with her husband, because that's clearly not who she spends time with. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I don't want to be with him. I only married him. Fuck that guy. You know what? I'm going to pair with fucking Yaxley. That is an interesting couple. I wonder... They hate each other. There's no way they don't hate each other. I almost coupled her with Snape, but I'm I'm feeling a little more sympathetic towards Snape right now, so... Oh, romantic. I know. (laughs) Okay, next, number four. (laughs) Who are you going to pair with Draco? I think he needs a new little canoodle right now. 
I'm gonna pair Draco. I feel like they need another chance at something. I'm gonna pair Draco with Buckbeak. <laughs> yes! They, they should try it again. That is the same thing as Skinny Dick and Mrs. Norris. <laughs> like, <laughs> the best possible. I mean, like, that is the correct answer. There's no Give it other. Give it another try, guys. Well done. And, of course, we're done talking about people that we dislike. Let's set little Bobby Dabby up to someone. <laughs> Aw, Bobby Dabby. You know what? You know who I think could use the kind of love and affection that Bobby Dabby could give? Purple Girlfriend. I think I probably agree with you. I think that they could have a really... <laughs> they could have a very sweet, weird relationship. <laughs> I think you could pair him with Harry Potter. I mean, that's who... That's his dream. He wants to be with. <laughs> <laughs> that's his OTP. Where can I find Lavender Brown and Dobby sexual fan fiction like that's what we need we need more of that in the world listeners get to it start writing <laughs> shall we talk about the movie oh if we must Whew. i will say i think the movie does quite well i'm kind of surprised that it does but this is a huge chapter so they had to focus on it first notable thing in the snatcher moment scabbier is like the main and i have to say i read it probably as scabier i think he deserves to be called scabbier i don't know i always called him scabbier but i actually don't know so is, is my, there that yeah. song happier by olivia rodrigo is there that you know that song like happier happier you know what i'm talking about by olivia rodrigo while i was even reading this every time i saw his name i heard scabbier to the lyrics of that song <laughs> Anyways, he's like the main one. He's the one who's going after Hermione and it's very creepy. It's Boy George. Yeah, he's George a, is Boy George. Oh, yes, that's right. That was, that was <laughs> Boy, Boy George, George is scabbier and Ariana Grande kills Kendra. That was notably different. Malfoy's manner looks great. It's fancy. So there was a moment when they were walking up to the gate. You can actually see them release Ron or Hermione. Like one of them is no longer like holding on to their arm. I was like, there's an opportunity right there. I don't know if that was on purpose. To me, I was like, that was a mistake. There's no way you should have been doing that. They go up to the <laughs> gate and Bellatrix is like, peekaboo, or at least it looks like it. They show the scar on the head. That's the other thing. The way that he was described in the book was like stretched out and kind of like cartoonish almost. It looks like Harry. Like the scar is not stretched out. No, on that just looks like Harry with chubby cheeks. Exactly. And yeah. like really fucked up eye. They show the scar to Bellatrix and somebody whispers, let's call Draco. Which is very weird. <laughs> it was very weird. I don't know. It felt like a chocolate commercial was trying to be sexy. Like, it is a beautiful chocolate. So Draco comes in um, and Draco's like, what the fuck is wrong with his face? <laughs> I was like, okay. That's pretty funny. It's like right in his face. Lucius pulls him aside. We didn't really talk about this, but Lucius says the whole thing of like, if we have Harry Potter, everything will be forgiven. That's when Boy George also steps up and is like, let's like, not uh, I it. got it. Yeah. And then, of course, Elwood's like, you don't even go here. I know that's two very different. They're in the same universe. Mean but girl. also, like, we mentioned we were watching it. Why does he have a wand? That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alas, it's the movie. Some other guy in, comes in and he gets the premiere line of like, I found it in the tent. I reckon I'll get to keep the sword. And by that trick is like, I think the fuck not. And she shoots Nate whip things around out of her Right? Wand. She just like on 2000% all the time. The funny thing is she goes from like 2000 to 3000 this moment. It's she takes care of them, and they're basically like, get the fuck out of here. And then they're like, get in it. And he, the way he walks up the stairs is the most terrifying thing that I've ever seen. And there are some pretty bad things that happen in this scene. It's like he's a fucking animatronic up the stairs like this. Ah, I'm scared. Yeah, it's it's very weird. I don't know. The scene work is just, mm, I don't know. It made me laugh. This is a very scary scene. And then he's like... Hello, it's me. They get thrown in the dungeon. Like I said already, Ollivander and Griphook are already there, been canoodling. And rightly so, because apparently in the movie, Ollivander is upright because he bids fucking a goblin. 
Yeah, everyone's just book. like, oh, we're all good. No one's tied up. We're all just doing great. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. Thank you. Harry takes the glass out of his sock and Luna's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, she's like, that's a strange thing to keep there. <laughs> and yeah. it goes, honestly, really fast and pretty true to the plot until, well, first of all, Draco does not come down and get the goblin. No, oh, they don't do any of that. It's Skinny Dick. Skinny Dick comes and gets the goblin. Yeah. And then, obviously, Dolly comes back. And so, when Skinny Dick comes back, and there's not really a reason for Skinny Dick to come back. They don't hear the crack. There's no loud crack in that basement. Skinny Dick comes back, and was Dobby who Expelliarmist him? Or knocked him out or knocked something? Knocked him out? Yeah. That is very unclear. He, I know he's like, meet me at the top of the stairs in 10 seconds. So Bobby Dobby worked fast, okay? Yeah. That was he, very, very quick. He gets that um, shit done. First of all, so this means that Skinny Dick isn't dead. Yeah, he, I know. I was like, if that killed him. Once again, I, in the book, I thought it was convoluted, but it's very weird how they did it here. So, because then Dobby's like, don't forget his wand, dumbass. Thanks, Dobby. <laughs> Everything else that kind of happens after that is pretty true to the book. We see it all. We see Harry grab the wands. When Dobby is on the chandelier, I mean, it's a trope, honestly, but everyone can hear it. So everyone looks up and they see that they're standing under a chandelier that's about and to- And then we are cackling because yeah. that's fucking hysterical. It's the levity that we talked about with the book. So that's very good. It happens very quick. It's a little bit more organized in the movie because they all come together. So it's the trio, Griphook and Dobby, and Dobby's on top and he has his little like triumphant speech of like, Dobby never means to kill. He only means to maim or seriously injure. And then he yeah. takes Narcissa's wand and Bellatrix is like, how dare you? And he's like, dare you? Elf, you fucking And then he gives her the finger. And unfortunately, that's <laughs> prompts. She's like, well, I'm going to kill you dead. When they land, of course, when this was happening, obviously I knew it was happening. I had to watch it with my hand over my mouth because it's just <laughs> every time you see it, it is not easy to watch. When he's holding him in the, his arms, first of all, it's kind of weird to see. We're killing off a CGI character. Exactly. So like, Dan Radcliffe is, I don't know, holding like a pillow or something. This is a very specific thing for me. I don't love that Ron and Hermione are in that moment in the movie. Not because I don't want them there, but because it takes away from Dobby for a moment. When Harry finds himself on the cliff in the book, he looks around. He is like, oh, I hope we made it. He sees Dobby and then he realizes something's wrong and then he's shouting for help. But in the movie, he is there and he goes over to Ron and Hermione, which I don't dislike, you know, that he wants to make sure that they're okay. And then he turns around and he sees Dobby and then he like leaves them and then they just kind of stare at him while he's like saying, do something, do something. And one, it makes it look like everyone is not being sensitive to anything. Ron and Hermione are very traumatized. So they can't really do anything right now. Hermione especially. Because like in the book, she's basically unconscious. And then two, Harry seems like he's being not sensitive to their trauma, focusing on Dobby. I don't know. Adding them into that scene just for me, I just was really put off by it. I, I don't really saying. know why. I, think I see what that, you're saying. Yeah. I think probably the reason why, because when you leave that scene, because in the book, it is boom, boom, bang. There is no like Dobby speech. It's not, a, at least it's not as grand. Yeah. Well, and Ron and Hermione, they all operate together in the movie and Ron that's and Hermione true. operate separately. And I think that that's probably yeah. why they had to be there, but also they don't even show grip hook in the whole midst of it. So they don't really need to show Ron and Hermione. So yeah, I think they also did that because when that is happening, because it's not as fast paced, I think when they apparate, you're immediately thinking, is Hermione okay? Because the mm -hmm. other thing that they do in the movie is at first, when Bellatrix is interrogating Hermione, she Hermione. is on top of her, like making out with her. And yeah. there's this one point where she, it looks like she's like blowing raspberries on her own. Like you don't know what is happening, but Hermione is just screaming. And yeah. so then I'm like, is she biting her? Like what is going mm -hmm. on? And then you see that she carved mud blood into her arm. So that was another just difference that came up. But I think a lot of people are immediately thinking, like, is Hermione going to be okay? Now, at the same time, like, she is conscious and she's standing in that little cluster. So maybe that's ridiculous. Yeah. 
it just felt weird but i i totally get what you're saying because obviously in the book it's absolutely like unclear if she's okay yeah until the next chapter but in the movie they have her kind of just standing there i mean she doesn't not look distraught because she definitely does i don't know there was something about it that it, it also just was like everyone was like standing around and i you know i get really I anxious totally. about that i also don't like that that's the last thing dobby says in the v is the a nice place to be with friends oh no he says harry potter too and then he says harry potter but i don't like that line a nice place to be with friends or whatever i don't know it is kind of a weird thing to say when you're about to die. You know, uh-huh. I mean, you know why they did it? Because they didn't give us fucking Dobby since the second movie. Well, and he just has to fucking here. So they were like, oh, we'll give him another line here. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that is very true. If we were just looking at the movies and not reading the book, we would probably be like, oh, okay, Dobby's back. Hooray. And so for us, obviously, we were following along and we see this trajectory. His death means so much more. In the movie, if you don't know that, you're like, oh, he was the weird, annoying one in book two. And now all of a yeah. sudden, and I came back and he saved the day. Yeah. I still overall would give the movie a higher score than I think usual. It still tells the story that we needed to tell. I mean, it does make sure that we get to see Harry take those wands from Draco, which is an important moment. It does make sure that we get to see a lot of things that are important. But at the same time, I'm like, hmm. I would give it a C. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's a massive, massive chapter. I feel like I will probably disagree with this later, but this is such a pivotal chapter in so many ways. I feel like this is the one to like focus on. And it's also so pivotal. the finale of the second movie, too. Because of that, I kind of see what you mean. I probably would give more like a B minus. Whatever, we're not teachers. until i give people points and originally going into here i was like oh this is too much i'm just gonna make it really simple and that is absolutely not the case (laughs) i have a lot of points first of all 200 points to dobby (laughs) yes dobby if it weren't for dobby we would have seen an end here and the story would have ended here he dies it's a really awful death in the series it's like i said it kind of kicks off the string of them 200 to dabby pour one out for bobby dabby everybody 50 to hermione because like we all said she's usually the one who's the fast thinking one but in this case she has to be rescued she's going through something really fucking awful men are gross bellatrix is gross etc plus 40 to harry and ron because they do save the day here, too, with Dobby's help. So many things. I mean, Ron screaming her name and Harry thinking to look in the mirror and grabbing the wand. There's just so many things there. Five, then, to Dean, Griphook, Luna, Draco. I do give Draco five points because you can kind of see, like, his wavering here. And that did also buy them time, too, you know? Ollivander and Aberforth. And that's all the positive points. <laughs> Negative points, negative 100 to Bellatrix. So that's a big blow. That might be the most I've taken away so far. I mean, I haven't given 200 points in a long time. The last time I did that really might have been Christmas. That um, might have been Christmas. <laughs> so negative 100 from Bellatrix for obvious reasons. I don't think I need to expound on that very much. Negative 50 to Fenrir because, or I'm sorry, to <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you don't like it. I love it, though. Um, uh, oh, it's fine. Because he is the second most. Awful. He's awful. Negative 20 to Scabier. Scabier, whatever. The gold of gross goes to Bellatrix. The silver goes to... And Scabier gets bronze. But I still (laughs) took 10 points away from Narcissa, Elwoods, and Skinny Dick. And that's everything. That's it. That's a lot of fucking points. A lot of fucking points. This was a lot. This was a long episode, a long chapter. Next time, we are taking a break from the book. (laughs) After that chapter, we deserve a break. So we're going to talk about something fun. It is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We're going to have special guests. Yes. Well, we can say who's going to be on. Let's say. Yes, it's going to be the Olivia's. Olivia King and Olivia Petri. Dr. Olivia Petri. Dr. Olivia Petri and Olivia King. And I think we're also going to get a little cameo. From the one who coined the grops as well. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I was about to say we didn't actually have them since book four, but we did have them in the 100th episode. So that will be fun. And yeah, we're not going to really reveal what we're going to be doing next time, but it is going to be a very fun episode, something new that we hope maybe we can do in the future. I think that there's a lot of possibilities for this. So get excited. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Bye. Uh, yeah, bye. <laughs> So long, farewell, you design. Bye. <laughs> Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!